Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by Subway. Come on down to Subway Keensburg at 304 Main Street in Keensburg, New Jersey for the grand opening September 10th where you can meet WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. where we will be offering buy one get one free on all six inch subs and flatbread sandwiches just a purchase of a 21 ounce drink is required so please don't forget to meet the former WWF tag team and intercontinental champion Tito Santana at the Subway Grand Opening September 10th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. See you there. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Hey, everybody out there! This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion, the ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show. Now, I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things, but Chad and John, the two man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie, Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. What's going on, guys? This is the seven foot, three hundred and thirty pound DNA of TNA. That's right, my DNA is outer space, and you're listening to the two man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Touch, but Billy Kidman touched. 
kick out of his feet, his entire body hit the floor. Paul London, the new Cruiserweight Champion, as he wins the Battle Royal here tonight in his home state of Texas. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Layton Sports Cards and LaytonSportsCards.com. Head on over to LaytonSportsCards.com to check out a full-service hobby shop specializing not only in sports cards, but also live case breaks and live box breaks. They do personals. They do group breaks. They do everything in between. But you can get on over to LaytonSportsCards.com and find out a little bit more about what they do, as well as learn a little bit more about a special promotion that we're going to announce a little bit later on in the show between the two-man power trip of wrestling and Layton Sports Cards for this coming Monday night. And again, stay tuned to LaytonSportsCards.com and check us out a few minutes from now as we announce our Monday Night Raw case break promotion with Rich Layton and the crew over at Layton Sports Cards. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are joined by a member of the Lucha Underground family. He's coming on board with Lucha Underground for Season 3, which kicks off on Wednesday, September 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the El Rey Network. And you can head on over to LuchaUnderground.com for more information and where you can check your local listings to see if you have Lucha Underground in your neck of the woods. And it's so awesome to be joined by one of the newest members of the Lucha Underground roster, but not necessarily to the Lucha Underground family. And of course, I'm talking about today's guest being Paul London. Paul London joins the cast, joins the roster, joins the Season 3 ensemble of Lucha Underground in what could be possibly one of the coolest reveals in that Season 3 trailer that dropped a couple weeks back. And we're so pumped to talk about the progress of Lucha Underground, what we have to look forward to in Season 3 with Paul London, as well as what he's been up to and what we possibly will be seeing from Paul London in the near future. But when you think about Paul London, you think about somebody who definitely beats to his own drum, and that is in a very good way because he is so outspoken and it's so refreshing to talk to somebody who's so honest about his career, about professional wrestling, and about what he does for a living. And it really stays in line with the craziness that the two-man power trip, John and myself, have experienced this week as being named one of the top 18 pro wrestling podcasts to follow by rollingstone.com the rollingstone.com writer jason diamond included us on a list that includes i mean really some of the biggest names that you could possibly think of that do have a pro wrestling podcast and we are quite humbled and very honored to be a part of that exclusive group and of course alongside some of those huge names not only just who are doing podcasts but of course in the history of professional wrestling and john with all that being said and talking about paul london and talk about the article that we had you know published this week why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we have to expect with paul london and lucha underground and also share with us some of your comments about this honor of being included in the group of rollingstone.com's 18 pro wrestling podcasts to follow yes chad beck here again the two-man power trip of wrestling and whoo has it been a whirlwind week for us here at the power trip baby because most recently we've been named as one of the top wrestling podcasts in the world 
by Rolling Stone magazine. We are hugely honored and humbled to be included in that. It's just amazing, and it's great to see that our hard work and our dedication, our fandom, our historian of a wrestling nature has been noticed and recognized, and it's just awesome, truly amazing, and like I said, we're truly honored to be mentioned by Rolling Stone as one of the top wrestling podcasts in the entire world, so that is unbelievable. And to think about how many thousands of thousands of wrestling podcasts there are out there, and us to be named as one of the top ones is pretty amazing and pretty breathtaking and pretty mind-blowing. But, you know, we've done a pretty damn good job, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to a great fan base that we've had and also can be greatly attributed to the guests that we have. And they basically make us. I mean, they make the show. We're just the uh, the two guys asking the questions, and these guests really, really bring everything to the table they make us what we are and we just love the wrestling business and we're all about the wrestling business so it's truly truly an honor i'll say it again to be a uh, top podcast named by rolling stone and to think about what i just saw cole cabana right he was first listed i don't know if necessarily there's an order of, of you know the one to the 18 and who's really one and who's really two and so on and so forth but colt was listed first he kind of took that as he was the number one guy and and God, you know, I can't disagree with their amazing show, The Art of Wrestling Podcast with Colt, and uh, we were listed fourth, so I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll take that with a, the grain of salt, saying that maybe uh, Rolling Stone considers us the fourth best, but anyway, I, I digress, and really this uh, episode today is all about Lucha Underground, it's all about London, aka Paul London, the intrepid traveler, and... <clears throat> Everything that he's been bringing to Lucha Underground, obviously Lucha Underground on the El Rey Network, starting September 7th with brand new episodes, season three. I love how they do the seasons. I love how episodic it is. I just, you can't miss an episode because you got to watch it each, you know, week by week, each one. I just absolutely love the product, love the production value, love the temple, love the fans. I love everything that Lucha Underground brings to the table. Then you throw in one of my all-time favorites, Paul London, and boy... Am I fully, fully invested in Season 3 of Lucha? Obviously, 8 p.m. Eastern, only on the El Rey Network on Wednesday nights. And think about Paul and what he brings to Lucha Underground. Not only his awesome wrestling style, because he could do everything in the ring. He, he can go Matt Wrestle, he can do the Japanese style, he could especially do the Lucha Libre high-flying style. So it's awesome that Paul London has been included in Season 3. And when I saw the trailer... I honestly was shocked. I'm like, oh my God, Paul London, we, we got to get him on. And boom, you know, Adriana and, and the great people over at the El Rey Network set it up for us and, and did a wonderful job. And what a fun and amazing time we had with Paul for this interview. What a smart, intriguing, just, I mean, every answer he gives you is just great. It's not going to be a one-word answer. It's not going to be a short answer. It's going to be detailed, and it's going to really, really mean something. And you take away something from everything that he said. And I love what he had to say about Lucha Underground. And I love that he was also a producer slash road agent for Season 2. Obviously, he was injured on the indie scene and he was supposed to be a part of Season 2. So that's why I kind of wrote him off and was shocked to see him in the trailer for Season 3. I didn't know he was still a part. I didn't know he was a producer and a road agent for them as well. So great, great, amazing stuff from Paul London in this interview. You're going to absolutely love Everything that he touches upon in Lucha Underground, what it means to him, and why this product is is his favorite, and why it is different than everything else that you see out there. 
And I really think different is the perfect word to describe Paul London. And obviously, I've already stated that he's just so honest and candid about his thoughts and about his take on the business. And as we get into the WWE talk, you really that shines <laughs> that really shines through. He's very candid about things going on in the WWE. He's very candid about some people inside of the WWE. And obviously, he can speak to that from his experience there where he really was a standout performer for a few years as uh, pretty much the top cruiserweight that the WWE was pushing outside of your Rey Mysterio, uh, who was really the top cruiserweight that I think that WWE's ever uh, had on their roster. But you think about other guys that were participating in those cruiserweight matches at the time, and you had your Chavo Guerrero's and your Jamie Nobles and Billy Kidman's. But I think there was a little bit of a disconnect with how WWE went about booking the cruiserweight division, and that really soured a lot of people on what the cruiserweight division ended up becoming. And then you think about what they did with him afterwards, and that was transitioning him into one of the most successful tag teams that WWE's ever produced with London and Kendrick, his good friend Brian Kendrick, past guest Brian Kendrick. But there's one moment in particular when you think about Paul London's WWE tenure that stands out, and it involves the chairman, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And John, why don't you tell us a little bit about that incident and how, not that it really uh, identified Paul London's WWE career, but I think a lot of people remember this moment in particular because of so many different reasons, whether it was funny, whether it was intentional, but we do get the true story. But John, why don't you tell us a little bit about that moment? Well, yeah, of course, you know, we talked about the Lucha Underground a lot with Paul, but then, of course, we talked about the rest of his wrestling career. And you got to talk about what you put up on the, the YouTube preview, which I absolutely love, and I remember this quite fondly, is the Vince McMahon blowing up of the limo. And we talk about Paul's WWE run, of course, and a lot of different things in his WWE run that happened, what was good, what was bad, what was ugly, and so forth. But the limo blowing up with Vince... It's one of those things you just can't forget. It was so bad. It was so stupid. It was so funny. And it was one of those things that was so good. It was, I mean, excuse me, so bad it was good. And I don't know if it was intentionally funny, not intentionally funny, but it was funny. And how silly it was. And we asked Paul the question straight out, you know, you were smiling. Why were you smiling? Were you thinking the same thing we're thinking, that this is hilarious? But he gives us an awesome answer. Check it out on YouTube. Obviously, listen to it here on this interview as well. But we have the preview clip up on the uh, the YouTube page. So funny to get his reaction to it and what he thought of it. Loved it. Thought it was so funny. And we get a completely different angle and different spin on, on why he was smiling and what his motivation was and what was Vince doing, uh, you know, doing with walking down staring at everybody how come they didn't redo the take of him smiling we go into the whole thing about the smiling right before vince walks out and his car blows up and he quote unquote dies you know in the the burning fire there so that is an awesome story that was going to be something that uh, will definitely get picked up and a lot of people would definitely want to hear and read about that but you know the limo thing is one thing. Getting into his release, which kind of ties into the limo thing, is another thing. Getting into his relationship with Brian Kendrick was awesome. It's one of my favorite tag teams ever. The Hooligans, whatever you want to call them. WB didn't really give him a name. We go into that. Why? Why not? What, what the hell's going on with that? We go into the masks. Awesome story about them wearing kabuki masks for basically a year, and then all of a sudden Vince saying, these guys can't be wearing masks, and he squashes it. Well, they've been wearing a mask for a year, so... That we get into that whole thing, that's awesome. What Johnny Ace's role plays in that, what Rey Mysterio's role plays in all that. 
uh, Vince, basically uh, his huge role in not liking the mask. So I love that part of the story. That part is just great, funny stuff. I love getting into the Brian Kendrick stuff now as far as their relationship. He's got a great, great line about their relationship now. We talk about the Cruiserweight Classic, which was just an unbelievable conversation because I didn't think it was going there, and he went there. He basically pulled no punches as far as what he thought of the Cruiserweight Classic, why he felt the Cruiserweight Classic was a little bit of a ripoff of Lucha Underground, the fact that it's on Wednesday nights, trying to compete with Lucha Underground. I mean, he makes some very valid and good points. I didn't see him going there, but he went there. It was a really, really fun story and really, really good thing that he had to say about that. Then you think about what he thinks about Daniel Bryan and their long history together. If anybody hasn't seen their epic encounters in Ring of Honor, I would highly, highly suggest you check that out. I know me and Paul share the uh, same view on Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, and that is that he's the best in the world. He's one of the greatest of all time. We get into a little bit of Samoa Joe, a little bit of AJ Styles. We talk a little bit about Kevin Owens and how he just won the WWE Universal title, the Raw Brand World title, and what that means. And, of course, Triple H's role in all that. And what he thinks about Triple H, and I can say, you know, you're going to really, really enjoy those comments about H. They are candid, they are honest, they are brutally honest, and... He really just, uh, he hates Triple H. He does not like the guy. He said that he kind of ruined Kevin Owens' title win. He kind of made it all about himself. But I'll leave that for you guys to listen and check that out. Some great stuff all about his entire career. We definitely, definitely delve deep and we focus in on his WWE run and his time there. But overall, this is one of uh, my favorites. I know I, I say that not so often, but I do say it a couple times. Paul, just something about him, his Ring of Honor run, his WB run. I've always been a huge fan, and it was great to finally be able to get him on. And uh, I wouldn't uh, put out a part two in the not-so-distant future. It's definitely easy to call an interview one of your favorites when it is so damn good. And especially this one with Paul London was just so candid and so raw. No pun intended. It was uh, really cool. And as I keep saying, it's refreshing to hear somebody's honest take on the business that they love so very much. And we want to extend not only a thank you to Paul London, but also to Lucha Underground, which on Wednesday, September 7th, Lucha Underground premieres its season number three on the El Rey Network. And of course, head on over to LuchaUnderground.com. Check your local listings for the El Rey Network and get your viewing eyes onto Lucha Underground season number three and keep your eyes peeled for the one and only Paul London. And I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Layton Sports Cards and LaytonSportsCards.com. Our good buddy Rich Layton over at Layton Sports Cards has teamed up with the two-man power trip of wrestling to present to our listeners one, that's right, one spot in an upcoming case break this Monday night, September the 5th, in a WWE Tops Undisputed Hobby Box Case Break, where one lucky listener is going to get the opportunity to win some really awesome sports cards from the WWE Undisputed Tops line of trading cards and if you know anything about what trading cards look like today whether you collect it as a kid or whether or not you're into it as we speak 
One, Layton Sports Cards is the place to go to for all of your upcoming products and all of your new releases, but also the WWE lines that they break on their box break videos are absolutely unbelievable, and one of our listeners is going to get a spot in this upcoming case break for Monday Night Raw on September the 5th, so head on over to our Twitter account, at Two Man Power Trip, or at Wrestling Pal, and find out exactly how you can be entered in to win that one lucky spot, and that's not just it. We're going to have a, a special promotion for Backlash as well this coming September the 11th. Stay tuned to the two-man power trip of wrestling for that announcement next week on the show, but really, we want you, if you collect sports cards, if you collect memorabilia, if you're a WWE avid collector, get on over to Twitter, find out how you can be entered into this promotion. There's no restrictions. Just follow the instructions and possibly win that spot. Some of these cards are absolutely unbelievable. You can get an autograph card. You can get an autograph relic card, which could have a piece of the mat from uh, an event or a t-shirt or something. They even have, for uh, some of you uh, women's wrestling fans, some kiss cards. But there's so much to choose from, and Leighton Sports Cards is contributing a lucky spot to somebody in one of their box breaks. And really, I urge you to take advantage of this and just get on over to Twitter at Two Man Power Trip or at Two uh, at Wrestling Pal, excuse me, and find out exactly how you can get that spot in the upcoming box break on Monday Night Raw, September the fifth at LeightonSportsCards.com. And don't forget to check them out on YouTube and watch some of their live case breaks and see just exactly what they do. And we're going to have Rich Leighton on next week so he can explain it in his own words. But, John, with all that being said, hit him with a little bit more two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Paul London. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can hear the latest and greatest clips. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the late, great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, WWE's lead attorney, Jerry McDivitt. Jesse the Body Ventura, the Phenomenal, AJ Styles, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Stan the Lariat Hansen, the Magnificent Don Morocco, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and many, many, many more. Also, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. While you're surfing the net, also check out Wrestling Inc. Yes, that's wrestlinginc.com. You'll see us on there many times a week. And it is the best wrestling site as far as wrestling news and information is concerned. Also, please check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com. You could check out our page on there as well as Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, Buff Bagwell, Tito Santana, and our main man, Kevin Thorne. So please go over to ProWrestlingTees.com and check that out. Also, for our Android listeners, please... Check out Player FM. And now, without any further ado, former WWE Cruiserweight Champion, a former three-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, he is known as the Intrepid Traveler. He is a star of Lucha Underground Season 3. He is London. Paul London. 
Please enjoy. I'm going to take my shirt off for this interview, just so you guys know. Is that right? All right, the shirt is off. Muscles are oiled up, flexed. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> All right, well, joining us on the line today is definitely a guy John and I have been looking forward to talking to. We are so excited that he is joining the amazing people over at Lucha Underground. And, of course, you know, Season 3 premieres on Wednesday, September 7th. And, of course, you can catch all the new episodes of Lucha Underground every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on the El Rey Network. And we are joined by the one and only Paul London. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Howdy. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me uh, join you guys. This is exciting. Uh, we're uh, yeah, we're excited. You're excited, but you know the big thing to talk about right now is season three of Lucha Underground. And obviously, when the reveal came out that you were part of the cast of Lucha Underground, I think there was a definite buzz in the air because you're somebody who I think Lucha Underground and Paul London is a perfect fit. But what are your initial thoughts on joining the Lucha Underground family and getting season three up and off the ground? Uh, my initial thoughts when I joined or just my initial thoughts on the season tress? Uh, both. Uh, if you're joining the, the company in the, uh, the season three kickoff. Well, I'll be honest. When I uh, first saw Lucha Underground, I was living in Austin at the time, you know, season one. And uh, I don't, I don't own a television. I still don't. And so I was watching on my friend's television and, um, I was really impressed with just how different it was, you know, just, um, I don't know. You can't really, you can't really categorize it. You know, you can't really say, oh, it's a wrestling show. And you can't really say, oh, it's a drama. You can't really say, oh, it's this and that. I mean, what you can say is it's episodic. What you can say is that it's thrilling. What you can say is that it's engaging. What you can say is that it's intriguing. Uh, it's obviously unique. It's a, it's a completely different rainbow with completely different colors that have yet to be seen. And um, so all those aspects were completely intriguing to me. Um, I think I really enjoyed, uh, and I do enjoy, the emphasis that they put on each individual. The example I use is, uh, you know, you look back at the, the old late-style Royal Rumbles, and the 30 guys and spread out over you know, an hour or two. Anyway, so each time a guy would come out back in the day, oh, God, you know, I forgot about this guy. Damn it. This guy could actually take it. You know, like this, this guy's like that. You legitimately would think that for each 30, you know, all 30 guys that would come out. And uh, sadly, wrestling's really changed that, that whole landscape, you know, emphasis on talent. And so what you have is you'll watch a show on Monday night or watch a show on, I don't know, whatever other night they come up on. And you'll say, okay, well, I know this guy's definitely going to lose <laughs> because he always loses. Or I know that this guy's just being used for fodder because that's how they're always shown. Or I know this, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be one of these five guys that wins. That's the story that we're always told. You know what I mean? So you can see how it would be mm-hmm. extremely 
extremely, extremely um, desensitizing to invest in something that basically just gives you the same old burger every time you take a bite. Um, now, if you look at Lucha Underground, you're not in a McDonald's. You're not in a Wendy's. You're not in a Taco Bell. You're in a complete mom and pop shop. You're in one of the most genuine restaurants imaginable where every meal is made with love. Every meal is thought out. Every meal is designed and structured by pretty much a, a world-class chef. And you can taste it with each bite. Every single bite has flavor to it. Every single character has flavor to him or her. Every single person is a threat. Any person can beat any person on any given day or any given show, and you'll believe it. That's what stood out to me the most about that program. And that's what really intrigued me the most because, you know, let's be honest, I'm a little long in the tooth, you know, for a wrestler and being dumped on my head just for the sake of being dumped on my head is just not very appealing. <laughs> so, uh, to be able to flex other muscles that I wasn't allowed to flex elsewhere is extremely, well, it's satisfying, but it's extremely, um, trying to get the right word, you know, it's, uh, cathartic you know it really is um, no that's uh so oh sorry go ahead no i was gonna say no that's uh that's really great to compare it to that as to you know the the difference in the the presentation and all that stuff and i didn't mean to uh to cut you off there but i think the the presentation is the big thing and when we think of somebody like you we think of somebody who really at a time where there was a, a kind of uh you know maybe a generic mold in professional wrestling, you were somebody who really stood out because, you know, there were some creative ideas, there were some differences to the look that you and a couple other people embodied, but I think with Lucha Underground, I think that they really like to stress that there are a lot of differences out there with uh, professional wrestling or some people call it sports entertainment, but, you know, their their look, their their presentation, the, the temple, the, the whole aspect of Lucha Underground helps you as a performer kind of maybe, you know, a few years into your career uh, makes you help you know, branch out into other things and maybe uh, borrow a little bit from your old self and maybe help you reinvent yourself as well. Well, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not really interested in your old self. <laughs> um, and, you know, to finish up on that question before, my initial, initial, initial thoughts when I started speaking with them was uh, it was a bit intimidating, to be honest with you, because, you know, as a performer, you want to, you want to add to something. You don't want to take away from it. And I, I was pretty burnt out on wrestling for a long time. In some ways, I still am. But uh, just on how boring it was, you know. And not Lucha Underground specifically, but just uh, wrestling in general. It was just, um, it's like looking at the same flip book over and over again, you know. No matter how slow or how fast you flip it, I mean, it's the same images. So when I started speaking with them and started talking and, you know, having a mutual flirtation, it, uh, I, I emphasized this idea. I'm not into head dropping. I don't want to do anything that I've already done. I don't want to look how I've looked before. I don't want to do anything that 
people will recognize. And I said, well, what do you think about your name? I said, well, it's my real name. I might as well use it. And they agreed. Um, not really into wearing masks, unless, you know, there's a female involved. Um, but uh, anyways, I emphasize that I'm not, I'm not really interested in being a toy, you know. And they completely agreed, which was music to my ears. And, um, but initially, yeah, I was, I was fairly intimidated, to be honest with you, because as I mentioned, I mean, I'm, this is my 16th year doing this, and it's, uh, it's not so much a firework display to me anymore as it is just a grand opportunity to tell a story around a bonfire, you know, and that's an atmosphere that you can't, you can't really translate through the television, um, but yet these guys are able to pull that off. So to be a part of that is something that's, as a performer, very enriching and refreshing. Um, and so believe it or not, I mean, I actually came on board at the beginning of season two. And there was some initial uh, thought and discussion, initial, initial, initial thought, to come in as a performer in ring. And, you know, I, I've since become very selective with dates and with accepting bookings and as I mentioned, I mean, I'm just like, I, you know, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of in one end of what I've already done. But what else can I do? What else can I show? What other, you know, muscles can I flex? And um, these are all things that were, you know, mutual thoughts. And, and you know, it's like, why would I want to come to Lucha Underground and present, you know, something that's left over um, and leftovers are good for a day or two but then they go bad real fast uh, and so I just wasn't interested in kind of being me if that makes sense um, for, from the from the perspective of what everyone's familiar with but I think through the through the help of you know social media Twitter and Instagram and things of that nature uh you know, you have a responsibility. At least you can look at it that way. And so you can kind of sprinkle out these little seeds of ideas or little slivers of your personality without giving out too much. And so people can get an idea of how I click. You know, they can get an idea of what, what makes me tick. But the key is to never really let them have everything. You, know, you always want to keep people guessing. And so the beauty of working with a company like Lucha Underground is that there's just, there's, there's an unlimited, uh, like I guess I should say that the curtain being pulled back is limitless. You know, I mean, it's like a hallway of curtains and you're curious which curtain reveals, you know, what, what, what's behind each one, you know? And so, um, it has a lot of funhouse elements to it. And I love funhouses. I actually love the movie funhouse from the eighties. I think it's fantastic. Um, but I love that. I love that element of surprise. You know, I think that's what really brought us all into wrestling in the first place was the element of surprise, that element of uh, what's engaging. You know, it, it, it's like any performer, you want to be captivated. You don't want to be insulted. You don't want to be turned off. 
You don't want to. Uh, you don't want to be. You don't want to be made to feel dumb watching grown men wearing spandex or masks or capes or whatever. You don't want to feel stupid watching this stuff. And admittedly, admittedly, I. <laughs> I would I would watch wrestling and I would feel extremely stupid, you know, and it was frustrating uh, from some of the places I've been before because I very specifically remember having a very uh, I guess it was a well received ladder match uh, with other teams back in a former life that I wrestled in and you know, this ladder match got all this praise and all this stuff and it was brutal and this kid almost lost his eye and blah, 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 blah. Um, so afterwards, we had this follow-up segment and I, I really wanted to get into the mentality of the toll that a match like that would take on you. And the more I started to kind of improvise my own promo, the the more I got cut down, shut down, dumped down. Sultan, and it was poisonous, and, uh, and I kind of wrote my own exit right there, to be honest with you, so, because I thought, well, what am I doing if I'm just this really poor, poor conduit to this empire that claims responsibility, that claims pushing the envelope, but it works with a sealed envelope the whole time through and nothing gets in and nothing gets out so and if I'm talking weird or out of line I hope just let me know and I'll try and clarify it but uh, it you know it's frustrating as a performer when your hands are tied it's frustrating as a performer when you're wearing shackles behind your ankles Um, I like to live by the thought of the only limits I have that they're limitless and, uh, you know, it's like Bruce Lee says, you know, you're using no way as way. And I love open interpretation. I love collaboration. These are things that that create growth and expansion. So to know that I was on board with like minds and people that thought very similar to that, again, it was, it was refreshing. But at the same time, there was that element of in- intimidation. It's like, well, shit, what can I bring to the table? Because I've just never been allowed to flex other muscles before, you know. Um, so we we discussed and we met and we, we crossed notes and we crossed ideas and you know it was a fun flirtatious courting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I'm rambling at this point. I you guys probably have all these lists of questions. I'm just rambling. That's the problem. No, no, not at all. No, it's deep. it's. It's such a great look, and I'll tell you what, the the thing that really stood out in what you said is that it's like the, you know, like the old movie, like Funhouse, right? And that you take something like that where that is such a out there concept and how it can spawn creativity. And uh, taking it all the way back to what I said at the beginning about presentation and being different and, th- and things of that nature. One other thing you said is that you don't own a television, but... Lucha Underground is a television-specific product, and they mold how they present themselves after a TV series. So we get trailers, and we get uh, season premieres and season finales and cliffhangers. Um, Do you think that helps in 2016 to present wrestling as something different and a very much 
you know, TV-specific product? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously when you're taking on a new network, which El Rey is, I think, what, three years old or two years old, um, you obviously want to bring your best foot forward. Um, so if, I mean, if I understood correctly the, the question, the comment, I mean, I do, you're right. I mean, it is engineered for television. It's engineered to be episodic. Um, it's engineered to, to follow along these characters that might not make it to the end of the season. You never know. <laughs> and I think that alone builds intrigue just like any other uh, hit episodic where you become invested in the characters you become invested in the storylines and sometimes you, you're elated and sometimes you're shocked and sometimes you're disappointed. Um, but hopefully you're surprised each time and it, and it, it, you know, it permeates this kind of um, this raw emotion that is refreshing. I and mean, I say that word a lot, but I'm trying to draw a blank actually on a, a, a synonymous word with refreshing but uh but yeah i mean it you know the biggest problem really is that it the network doesn't reach everybody yet um they're working feverishly to to get more more deals and you know expand and make sure that more and more people can see what we're doing which is awesome uh because you know that's how things really should be you know it should always be about growth and what more can we do and what how much higher can we build this ceiling or do we even need a ceiling? You know what I mean? Because I don't think they do. Uh, and so it's, you know, the beauty behind them jumping into this game um, is that they they wanted to write their own rules. And they wanted to kind of create their, you know, uh, not just look at wrestlers as pawns, but actual assets. And... You know, you really can't ask for a better situation as a performer because, I mean, here's a group that, you know, is the brainchild of several extremely successful individuals. Um, obviously, Robert Rodriguez is kind of at the head of this umbrella. And um, personally, I can't think of a better creative mind to, to you know, sprinkle his magic over uh, than from him, you know, I guess. Tarantino would be the other one that, you know, if he, if he opened up a company of some sort, they would definitely draw interest for very similar reasons. But, you know, obviously there's a reason that Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez work together or collaborate together. Um, but, you know, at the same time, he's he's not this puppet master who's like, it has to be my way and this and this and this. And I think that's one of the things that's really healthy about the environment is that it, it is so collaborative and everyone is on the same team. And everyone has the same goal and the same drive. It's just to let everyone know that, you know, the game in town isn't the only game in town, and it's a pretty boring game if that's what you want to look at. But, you know, we're not a game at all. I mean, we're just the whole of the world. And, you know, I guess you could look at it as kind of like a DC universe or a Marvel universe or whatever. There's a Lucha Underground universe, you know, a universe in itself and this temple that you know, has been established. And, uh, and you know, and they listen to the audience. You know, I, I, If you've seen the show, then you'll see that people are rarely sitting down, you know, and if they are sitting down, then 
uh, it's out of fear of being knocked down or, you know, whatever, but, you know, everyone's alive in that crowd and everyone has emotions pulled out of them in that crowd. And I think that's why people thirst for it so much because it's, um, it just tastes so damn good, you know, and it's something that people have been starving for, uh, for a long time without even realizing like I said, they're just so used to shoveling these shit burgers in their mouth, being told, like, this is good for you, this is good for you, this is all you get. Here's the thing, I mean, um, the temple isn't, it's not a frat house, you know what I mean? It's not a place where you're going to go and feel like the oddball out. If anything, it's where you go to let your oddball show. And, well, so, just so I can kind of preface everything. So I, I got hurt at the beginning of season two um, on an independent show that I won't mention. And uh, that kind of curtailed my in-ring stuff for season two. So then uh, they, you know, they, they presented the idea, not just because of the injury, but actually in the initial uh, discussions, they, uh, they thought, well, you know, how much you'd be interested in maybe doing some help behind the scenes producer um, some people will call it an agent it's pretty much the same exact thing I guess you're a match producer if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um, and that's what really to be honest with you that's what sold me on the whole on the whole deal was yes I would love to I mean I think that was pretty much my immediate answer was yes I would love to Like I didn't have to really think about it because he was finally a chance for me to really flex um, muscles that I hadn't flexed before you know, at least from a responsibility standpoint. And um, so with that said, you know, I, I spent the entire season two in the back uh, behind the monitors with the headset on, um, you know, helping to direct traffic and this and that. But I was able to see what what really clicked and I was able to see, I guess, really more so the emotion that was just pouring out of the audience uncontrollably. I mean, we would get ca- camera shots of man, woman, and child, grandparents, um, you know, non-wrestling fans, uh, the occasional celebrity, this and that. I mean, everyone's in the same boat. You know, everyone has this emotion that's just getting pulled right out of them. And they don't have a choice, you know. So you'll see, you know, somebody with their hands completely covering their mouth because they're just in awe and shock of what they just saw. You know, you'll see a young kid uh, with, with a grin from ear to ear, and you can't help it. You know, you can tell that that kid's face hurts from smiling so much, but you can't take that smile off his face. And there's nothing pretentious about any of it. You know, it's uh, it's all genuine. And so that was, that's something I'm really most proud to be a part of because as a performer what are you what are you doing if you're not moving the people what are you doing you know what I mean you, if, if the people aren't moved back to the drawing board how many people go back to the drawing board very very few they just go back into their toolbox and say oh well this wrench worked one time let me try this, this hammer and nails this isn't really doing the trick this time. I got this saw Forget those tools. Why don't you invent some new ones? You know what I mean? 
Hmm. Uh, and that's what we're doing, you know, and we're still doing it. We're continuously doing it. And the fact that they're so careful on who they bring on board uh, really is a testament to the product because they are so selective. And there is a craftsmanship to it where if you pick the right people, it, it'll only get things, you know, off the ground faster, bigger. You know, these the dreams and the visions that, that, that exist will only expand beyond uh, what you might originally have thought you could do because because now you're working with a team. You know, you're working with a team where everyone, like I said, uh, loves the food that they're eating. <laughs> they, they love the environment. They love the direction everyone's headed in. And they feel important. That's really what it really boils down to is the people you work with feel valued. And I can say that everyone there feels valued because everyone there is treated with respect. Everyone there is uh, accepted for their differences. And, you know, show me anywhere else, anywhere else, even on hit television shows, where there's such a camaraderie, you know, just from, from a worker standpoint. And I'm talking not just the talent, I'm talking like the crew, talking about the office, talking about the security teams that, that watch over the temple. I'm talking about every single person who walks into that building, whether they're there to watch it, whether they're there to protect it, whether they're there to, to, to create it. Everyone's on board. Now, where else can you find a show where you can have that kind of synergy, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. That is true. Lucha Underground definitely separates itself from the group of not only TV shows, but wrestling shows. But if I could bring it back to a point where you said, you know, with WWE, you kind of wrote your own exit, you were frustrated there, your hands were definitely tied. When you they told left... me to dumb down, they told me to dumb down my promos. I'll <laughs> never forget it. They told me to dumb down my promos. I said, it's too much for the audience. Dumb it down. Now, do you remember that when Vince McMahon, you know, he walked down the line of the people right before his car blew up and he was kind of looking around <laughs> and that whole thing where it's yeah. like, oh my God, what they started trying to build up suspense and they show you and you're laughing because you have the same reaction to everyone at home. Like you're laughing, but that was just nonsense. So you just, you know, kind of go back and think what was going through your mind at that point because it was pretty hilarious because you were feeling kind of what I was feeling at home, laughing like, what is this nonsense? He's walking around so slow, something's going to happen. Well, it's funny you say that because, I mean, honestly, that wasn't my mindset. It wasn't, this is so stupid, I'm going to laugh at it. That, was, that wasn't my mindset at all. Um, you know, and, it, and if that's how it came off, then you know, I apologize to anybody who thought that I might have been unprofessional or whatever, but I take my job very seriously. I take my work very seriously. But more than anything, I take my involvement the most serious. Because my thought is, well, if I'm a part of something, then let me be a part of something. If you want me to be a part of something so that I can just show up and be wrapping paper, it's about to just get torn off and thrown in the garbage anyways so that the real gift can be revealed. And I'm not interested. Period. I'm just not interested. There's plenty of other wrapping paper out there. I am the gift. I'm not the wrapping paper. No way. So going back to that night, um, they pre-taped the limousine explosion the night before. No one 
not a single person outside of Vince and his boyfriends had um, any idea that that had been shot or that that was even what was happening. No one had a clue. So I showed up to the building that night or that morning and I was already in trouble for something else. Um, because there's going back to that lack of camaraderie in that environment, there are no friends. The word exists. The meaning does not. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and so, uh, my career was already being sabotaged at the time for other reasons um, by another performer. And so I was being addressed for that very reason right off the bat. So it was almost as though the chips were kind of against me on that day to begin with. <laughs> um, so I was in a very frustrated mindset, which was usually the case. So fast forward to later in the afternoon, they're like, well, let's throw all these guys a bone and let them all be in this segment so they can get some screen time. Because heaven only knows we're not going to write anything for them. So let's throw them in here as background, right? It's basically like, just make your stars the extras, right? Um, and the instruction was very clear. There was no, you know, gaff on the direction or the instructions that were given. That was extremely clear. And I'll tell them to you right now. They said, because they would get you all in a group because you're not important enough to be spoken to individually. So they hurdle you up in a group, right? Here's the cattle call. And they said, okay, well, Vince is going to be acting very weird. He's going to be in the ring. We're going to do this segment. He's going to be in the ring. He's going to be acting very queer. The reason I say the word queer is because that's the exact word that they used about a thousand times. Queer. Queer, 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 queer. I hadn't heard that word since, like, <laughs> movies in the 80s. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, that's a really unusual choice of words, of word for them to describe this guy, you know, how he's acting. I, I know that it means he's acting odd and funny. I know it's not how other people might take it. But either way, I mean, that was really well, the direction we got was, okay, well, he's going to be acting very strange, very weird, peculiar, very queer, very queer. He's going to come back here, and we're going to tape this pre-tape so that when he's live, we can air it. So what we'll do is when he comes back here, we don't know how he's going to respond, but just play off of him. Just play off of him, you know? But, but just keep in mind that he's acting very queer, and it's, it's odd. So like, okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. Queer. Got it. You know, branded into my mind now. Queer. Got it. Um, how do you spell that? Right. Got it. Um, and that was it. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That was it. It wasn't okay. Cause he's going to go off and he's going to go into the snow and explode, blah, blah, blah. None of that. Had no idea. No idea. So with that being said, my only motivation was, okay, well, here we are again, wrapping paper. Um, well, you can either rip that paper off. Or maybe you like that wrapping paper, so you look for where the tape is and you carefully undo it so you don't tear the paper. Either way, the paper's not at fault here. And that's how I looked at it, was, look, I don't know what the prize is here. I don't know what this is leading to. But whatever it is, don't attack the wrapping paper. I'm just standing here, man. Like, whatever happened, I'm the village idiot. 
it clearly wasn't me, whatever's going on here. Like, whatever is making this guy so queer, it's not me, clearly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you're going to kill somebody, man, don't kill the guy smiling. I'm just an idiot standing here smiling. That was my motivation. That was my mindset. It wasn't, this is so stupid. I'm going to laugh so I can wink at my friends back home and let them know that I'm too cool for this. I don't work that way. I don't work that way. Um, like I said, I'm a professional, but I'm going to bring my own palette of colors to the to the show, you know? Like, if not, then why am I staying there? So looking back at it, the funniest thing of that whole segment is really all the other wrestlers' reactions, or I guess attempt at reactions, and just how bad and how funny it looked to see uh, all these actors acting so, or these, these wrestlers, I dare never call them actors. Um, but just to see how hard they were trying to feed into this whatever it was, you know, and um, so that was pretty comical. But yeah, I mean, I we did that thing nine times at least, at least nine times, and I smiled every single time, each take. I mean, it wasn't the same smile, but it was it was the same motivation because no one said anything different. I figured, well, if they have a problem, they'll tell me. Vince even looked in my face on a few of these takes as he walking around. He leaned in and looked at me. I was like, oh, whatever. I don't know what he's thinking. He looked at me. It wasn't like he didn't see it <laughs> mm-hmm. eight or nine times. Um, and so then after the final thing, and they were like, okay, we're done. Thanks, guys. Um, one of his little ventriloquist dummies um, spotted my smile through a microscope. He was checking out in the monitor and pointed that out to Vince. Mind you, everyone's in the same room. We haven't really been released yet. And they're starting to get released. So he could have clearly been like, we need to do one more. Damn it. Don't smile this time. Five seconds. Could have said that. Boom. We'd be done with this thing again in a minute. But that didn't happen. What happened was he looked... He, <laughs> I liken him to mech and neck from He-Man just for the sake that his neck extended upwards. <laughs> I periscoped over the crowd until he saw me and then he came back down and he did his stupid Vince power walk over to me, you know, and uh, he said, he just leaned in, you know, and he goes, what? why were you smiling? And he was so baffled. <laughs> I was baffled as well. Thinking, That's what he's coming up to me about? The... The, the, the face that I had on my, you know, that I was wearing nine times, nine out of nine times or whatever, this is, I was like, what? You know, like, this is, really? That's what you, you uh, anyways. So I explained it to him as best I could. I said, look, you know, like, I, I just don't know what's going on. And whatever is bothering you, I'm clearly not at fault here. So I just look at it as the village idiot. That was my phrase. I said, I'm the village idiot. Because hmm. I, I clearly am, you know, and. You know, you know, execute the messenger. I'm not even the messenger, man. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know. And so uh, he stood back up and he just even more befuddlement across his face. And he said, "I, I don't get that. I don't get that at all." And he just walked off, completely disgusted. And uh, my fate was sealed right there. Hmm. 
very interesting. And then, you know, as far as Vince is concerned, there's another great Vince story that I believe you and Brian Kendrick uh, both spoke about. We actually interviewed Brian uh, a little bit, probably maybe a year ago or so, and we talked a little bit about the incident as well. Basically, you and Brian Kendrick, awesome tag team, 331 days as WWE Tag Team Champions. One of my favorite tag teams of that era, for sure. You guys are awesome. I just love that they put you guys together in the chemistry you guys had. But Thank the, the mask that you guys wore to the ring for you know, about a year or so, is that story, sure. in fact, true that Vince saw it and was like, what the hell are these guys doing wearing these masks and coming out like that? But you guys had been doing that for so long. What is the truth behind, you know, wearing those masks and Vince kind of not wanting you to wear those masks anymore? Um, I don't know from a Vince standpoint so much as I, I never dealt with Vince, um, about the masks. Um, well, let me just, I'll rewind a little bit. Brian and I have been friends since 2001. I had moved out to California. I started working for this company, UPW. It's where Cena came from, Samoa Joe, uh, Chris Daniels. I mean, a lot of guys came out of UPW. Cena, obviously, being the biggest cash cow. And uh, so anyways, I came out to California to try and see what I could do. And I met Brian there. And funny enough, we were actually supposed to wrestle each other back in Texas like a year prior, but I was hurt. And so I missed that match. But uh, sure enough, our paths... Uh, interwove in Southern California. He had just been released from developmental. Um, long story short, we developed a nice chemistry. I mean, we both were the, the first ones in the gym. We were the last to leave. Um, you know, we were always trying to just push ourselves harder than anybody. So we developed a pretty uh, solid kinship. And uh, so when we initially teamed, uh, when I got up there, and we were both wearing like blue tights or something. I don't remember. Uh, he had he had been fed up with it, so he was like, "You know what? I'm sick of this. Like, wait, this is just not going anywhere. I want to wrestle more than five minutes." Uh, so he said, "I want to go back to Japan." I told him, "I support you. You know, whatever you want to do." And I remember specifically when he went and asked for his raise. Uh, this is long before the tag titles. He. Uh, I remember Bill DeMott coming up to me and he goes, you should let Vince know that you're on board here. Like you're not planning on leaving either. I thought, well, God doesn't even know I work here. You know, but sure enough. All right. So I went up and I just said, Hey, you know, I just want you to know that, you know, I respect my partner's decision, but you know, I'm on board. Like I'm all in here. Like, I'm not going anywhere. And he's like, oh, okay, great. Didn't give a shit. But, um, I swear to when Brian came back, and, they, you know, I was being wasted away in something I don't even remember. Um, but I was directionless. I was a singles guy. This is after Kidman and I had already done the tag run and all that stuff. Um, so Brian came back, and I remember we had a singles match. Um, and we were really well against each other. And then I remember specifically in San Francisco at the Cow Palace, we had a, uh, a velocity match against... Yeah, maybe Kid Cash and Jamie Noble, I think, before the before they were a team. And I remember Dean Malenko telling me what the match was going to be for the night. And I looked at it and I said, "Where's this going, Dean? Like, what's what's the point of this match? Like, what are we trying to accomplish with it?" And he looked at me and he goes, "Well, I really don't know." 
So when you have one of your higher ups basically telling you and admitting to you that they don't even know why match is happening. And it wasn't that I didn't want to work with those guys. I mean, I've worked with these guys, but these are the only guys that I would work with, it seemed like. So just, you know, I was spinning my wheels and I said, well, this is, you know, I really think we're going to be better off here as a team. Like, I really think, and he goes, well, why don't you go tell Vince that? I looked at Brian. It took two seconds. He goes, okay, sure. Where's his office? And we went and we just, you know, we waited till after the show and we went and knocked on his door and we walked in. Surprised he even let us in that far. And, uh, they basically laid it out for him. said, look, you know, like, we appreciate the opportunity, this and this and this, but we genuinely feel like we're going to be able to make more money for you or money at all as a team. And he seemed really enthused. And he was like, oh, it's great. You know, like, you guys aren't the biggest dog in the yard. You got the biggest bite. Blah, 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 All this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't shut it down. Awesome. So anyway, so Brian and I started teaming and we started collaborating together because we were our, our only uh, collaborating and writing team was just he and I. So we came up with the concepts and the designs for the shorts and the vests and all this stuff. And then we initially had this thought process. Uh, I remember I very specifically um, wanted to implore, well, we both kind of came up with this idea of um, ring dress, you know, like what do you wear down there and you can take off? Cause we're both, he's more of a fan of Japanese wrestling than I am. And I'm more of a fan of Lucha Libre than he is. Um, and they both have these elaborate get-ups and, you know, the, the costuming and stuff. It's very specific uh, to Japanese and to Lucifer. So we wanted to add our own little flavor. And, and the fact that they weren't telling us anything was kind of nice because it was it allowed us to have a blank canvas. So when the initial talks between Brown and I were talking about masks, like what should they look like, and da 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 um, My initial interest was animals and insects, you know, and I wanted to have, you know, one mask and an outfit made that made us look like wasps, you know, and then like another outfit made that made us look like praying mantises and another outfit made it, you know, made us look like some sort of wolf or hybrid animal. Um, We wanted to really make everything, you know, kind of pop and unique uh, but it kind of more in an organic way, as stupid as that might sound. Um, because we just wanted to make people think. But we also wanted to have fun with it, you know, because everyone has barbed wire in their fucking tights. Everyone has blood drops and all this stupid stuff. And everyone just wants to be so tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone wants to be so feared, so intense. We just wanted to have fun with it, you know, because we're fun. We're just, it's, it's just fun. This is fun. At the absolute best, it's, it's the most fun you can have, you know. And half the audience is children, you know. So the last thing we want to do is come out there and be like, ah, you son of a bitch, we're so tough. Look how tough we are with our tribal tattoos, the blood drops, and our barbed wire. Yeah, you know, it's like, no, I'm not doing any of that crap. So fast forward, Brian's uh, wife, she was in some makeup program or something. She was learning, like, molds and making uh casts and stuff for masks and all that stuff. So she agreed to make the masks for us. And while they didn't really come out at all <laughs> how I initially wanted, and they didn't even fit my face, <laughs> uh, because they, she just used his face as a mold, and his face is much smaller than mine. 
Um, we, anyways, we had these masks, and it was cool. It was different. Now, fast forward to, I don't know if we even had them a year, so I don't think that's very accurate, but, you know, I would say more like six months we had these masks. And I remember uh, I was in New York um, visiting Ashley at the time um, because she had expressed interest in being our manager, which was a big deal for us because even though she had just won this diva contest and she, she's not a wrestler and she was still being presented as a top girl. And so for her to express interest in valeting us was a boost, you know, however you look at it, it was a boost. And the fact that they agreed was really surprising. So we had this concept of like, okay, well, how can we get her more involved? Maybe she'll take the masks off of us, you know, once we do our backflips and this and that. Or, you know, it's like it's more of a union. Uh, so anyways, I was visiting her in New York. I got this call from Johnny Ames. Well, it just said unavailable, right? Because um, there's something with like the Stanford phone lines where people there are afraid to let you know that they're calling you. So they they want to try and sneak up on you by constantly saying unavailable. So anytime you'd see your phone and say unavailable, you knew it was the office. Um, kind of defeated the purpose, right? Uh, <laughs> so anyways, Johnny Ace, he gets on the phone and he says, uh, hey, how are you doing? I can't do it because Johnny Ace voice. Um, he says, yeah, hey, Johnny, what's going on? You know, it's surprising for anyone from the office to call us when we're off. You know, that it meant we were either in trouble or they had ideas. And it definitely wasn't they had ideas. It was usually like, uh, you fucked up. Uh, so this was a little bit of in between. And what he said was, he goes, oh yeah, hey Johnny, what's going on? He goes, gotta talk to you about the masks. Gotta get rid of them. Or you need, gotta get, Vince wants you to get rid of the mask. And I remember my response was, all of them? <laughs> yep, all of them. I said, okay, well, uh, I'm sorry, Johnny, I don't really understand why. He goes, well, you know, Ray's got a mask, and we don't want people to get confused. I swear to you, this is what I was told. Ray's got a mask, and, you know, we just don't want too many guys with masks, and, you know, we don't want the people to get confused. How in the, how <laughs> would they possibly be confused from a five-foot-six Mexican guy who's a global icon wearing a mask who doesn't take it off and is a singles wrestler, how on earth would they possibly be confused with two knuckleheads who take their masks off before the match even starts? Hmm. Well, I'm just telling you what Vince wants, you know? See, that's the thing. If you want to work for WWE, you have to just accept the fact that you will never, ever, ever be given a straight answer. Ever. You will never be given an honest answer. And you will only be given the buck passed off on somebody else. So that it becomes a wild goose chase of trying to get some answers. To the point where it's almost like just pointless. It's, it's, it's just that. It's a goose chase. Um, so then I said, well, you guys aren't understanding. Like, we can market these masks. Like, we can actually... We do merch and this and he's like, well, you know, 
Vince just wants Barry to be the only one with a mask. Uh, and, you know, it, don't want it to hamper sales and this and that. All this stuff was just mind-blowing to me at the time. And keep in mind, I'd already been there for about three years. So I'd seen a lot of shizzle shoveled my way. And none of it tasted good. So, uh, where are we? so then, the reason I'm bringing up the merchandise thing is because they specifically said, no, 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 that's not going to work. We're not looking at merchandising any masks outside of Ray. Da, 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 da. A month or maybe two months later, no, I think it was about a month later, uh, boogeyman masks were being marketed. The guy doesn't even wear a mask, and they made masks for boogeyman itself. Um, so that was another piece of writing on the wall right there, uh, <laughs> where it was like, okay, I could have sworn they just said they weren't going to market any more masks outside of Ray. Not that I believed it, but that was the excuse that was dished our way. Uh, only to see that it was a complete bunch of bullshit. Um, and they were just kind of protecting the investments that they actually cared about. So that was another thing where I was pretty much just emotionally checked out of that job. Because just, if, you know, how are you supposed to run when your feet are cut off? Hmm. You can't do anything. All of the wheelchair Olympics, you know what I mean? Like, um, and nothing against wheelchair Olympics. Those athletes are far superior to any of the ones you'll see on Monday night. Um, but, 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 but man, with limitations, unli- just constant limitations, constantly, constantly, constantly. So, uh, that was, that's the story behind the masks. It, it wasn't, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's all I ever heard. All I ever heard was that. Hmm. I never heard anything else from Vince, never heard anything. It was just, nope, don't want you guys wearing them because we just want Ray to have them. This was our lies. And uh, so there you have it. Same thing with the hooligan thing. We should have a team name. No, come up with whatever you want. All right, we're starting being the hooligans. We even had it put on our tight on our on our shorts. We spelled it W H O O L I G A N S, I think. Um, just so it could be different and dumb. Um, or maybe it was spelled regular. I don't really remember. But either way, it was on our on our gear. Crystal Marshall had mentioned the name Hooligans on a pre-tape that we did backstage once. And then, and that was it. All the, all the TV announcers were told to never say that name. They were <laughs> told to never, never, ever refer to us as that. And I know because I was friends with one of the commentators on SmackDown. And um, he would tell me, he was like, you know, I'm not allowed to say acrobat. I'm not allowed to say belt. I'm not allowed to say... And it was this whole list of adjectives and things that he he was given a no-no to say during our matches specifically. Wonderful. (laughs) Great. And I mean, it just just kept snowballing after that. Um, Am I missing a question or something? Like I said, I'm a rambler. No, no, but I I wanted to touch on uh, Brian Kendrick just a little bit because he's been with WB now. He's in the Cruiserweight Classic on on their network. He's in the tournament. I believe he's in the quarterfinals or the final eight or whatever you want to call it. So he's he's still prevalent with WB. He's been a trainer for them. He's helped out in in NXT. He's helped out a few of their female wrestlers. What is your current relationship with uh, Brian Kendrick, the guy you shared so much of that great chemistry with? I haven't spoken to him in over a year. 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah. When you love something, as they say, you let it go. And it's meant hmm. to be, it'll come back. You know? So. Absolutely. Yep. That's and are you familiar? All I really got to say about Brian. Are you familiar with the Cruiserweight Classic at all? I mean, I've heard about it. I've seen a few matches here and there. Um, if you want my honest opinion on what it's all about, yeah, I'd say yeah, that absolutely. their timing is <laughs> it's laughable. <laughs> because before then, what other show would appear on a Wednesday night? Lucha Underground. There you go. And what other show on that Wednesday night, Lucha Underground, is an actual threat? Lucha Underground. So they didn't specifically make a tournament of heavyweights for Wednesday night because heavyweight wrestling is boring. It's limited. You know what I mean? What are you going to watch? Zeke or whatever against, you know, some other muscle head. And this is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, ooh, let's, chill. let's tune in Wednesday nights for this shit. No. So the fact that they created this cruiserweight whatever um, and decided to rape the independence of all these talents and dangle all these carrots in front of these independent guys' um, faces by saying, like, you're a part of the family now. Not really, but we're going to use you so that we can um, shine up our product in hopes that people will choose us as the alternative for Wednesday nights because the truth is we don't have a leg to stand on on Wednesday nights. And they don't. They still don't. Um, so I think the timing is laughable. It's because, like you said, they're what, in the quarterfinals or the finals now or something? Or how many more of those shows do they even have? I think the finals are in two weeks. I think they're in the quarterfinals right now. Wonderful. So we'll be one week in when yeah. they're little tournament wraps up. We'll be one week in of a 40-episode season. Good timing, guys. <laughs> hmm. I'm not saying they should have timed it at the same time because it still wouldn't have made a difference. We'd still blow them out of the water. But if you watch the matches that we hit, that we present, their little cruiserweight tournament is the only thing even possibly, possibly even in the same universe. I mean, it's not even the same galaxy, but in the same universe that could possibly even hold a candle to what we're doing. And now I'm not saying that they're trying to emulate us or they're trying to take the attention away. I mean, maybe they were, I don't know. And I think that the workers and the wrestlers that are in that tournament are fantastic. Don't get me wrong. This has nothing to do with the individuals involved. Um, it's the motive behind it. So the individuals involved, half of them are all friends of mine. I think they're phenomenal. I think they're, I think I'm so happy for them. Um, you know, you got like the Bollywood boys and you got like, you know, you got Noam Dar, you got Chiampa, I mean, you got all these guys are just, you know, Abushi, you got all these guys, you know, Kendrick's got the second win. Um, and it's doing great things for these guys. I'm curious what they've all been getting paid. Um, hmm. Just because carrots aren't that expensive. Um, but I'm I'm curious, you know, what the what the carrot looks like. I have an idea. 
but I'm not really, I, I don't really care that much. Um, I'm, I'm concerned with what we're doing. I'm concerned with where we're headed in our direction. So, yeah, I don't have a TV. Yeah, I don't really watch any of that stuff. Um, if I'm at a friend's house, I have caught uh, one, I think, of Brian's matches. Because I'm, I'm going to watch anybody's stuff in the tournament. It's going to be his. You know, like I said, I love them. I support them. We don't have to agree. We don't have to ride together. We don't have to go to each other's birthday parties or, you know, tell each other sweet little compliments or any of that stuff. Um, but I love them and I support them, and I always will. So if I had to take a pick, sure, I'd love for him to win that thing. Because for his own individual stock, absolutely. It'll just help him more and more. And why wouldn't I want that? Um, my fear is that they're using him. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure he's aware of that. <laughs> you know, he's a mm-hmm. pretty bright guy. So I wish him luck, and I wish everyone in that tournament luck, and I wish their company luck because uh, they need it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at the at the end of it all, I mean, it, it, all it really, really does is enhance pro wrestling. So that's that's a real benefit to that. Um, it opens up doors for guys who are about to give up on their dream, and here we go. Like, oh, second wind, I'm motivated again, da 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 And so that's all wonderful, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, don't, I just don't trust them. <laughs> I don't trust them. And the thing that really kind of disgusts me is um, Kevin Steen's one of my favorite people in the world. I think he's outstanding. I always have I had some of my best matches with Kevin. And what really disgusts me is to see Triple H with his bony fat smile uh, draping all over Kevin's thing as if he had believed in this guy all along. You know what I mean? Like he's, you know, the bodybuilder, the, 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 the game himself, you know, like Mr. Arnold classic, Mr. Shredded is now super endorsing, this non-bodybuilder, uh, I don't know, uh, it's kind of the anti-pro wrestler, if you think about it. I mean, from an attitude standpoint, Kevin's amazing. But from, like, that ideal WWE body or whatever that they uh, valued and cherished for decades, um, he doesn't fit the mold. And I love that about him because cookie cutter is boring. Um, but I just think that this... Hunter feigning over him bullshit is just that. I think it's bullshit. And I think Hunter does that to try and keep himself relevant at these new guys' expense. It's almost as if Hunter is trying to give himself a rub off of these guys. And it disgusts me. But I don't really pay attention enough other than that. Hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm disgusted. Okay, next. Move on to the next thing. I'm finished. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, Kevin Owens just won their, their newly minted universal title and a lot of the complaints. Yeah, and when I turn on Twitter, every every feed on Twitter yep. is pictures of yep. him and Hunter arm yep. in arm. You know what I mean? Yep. Like Kevin's dancing with the devil. I hope he's I hope he's careful. <laughs> now, you know, we were talking a little bit about WB and I was gonna talk about the Cruiserweight Classic as far as Daniel Bryan is concerned, or Brian Danielson, he's the commentator on the show, but I wanted to equate that to you obviously. You and him back in ROH had a couple epic encounters, awesome matches. What are your thoughts on, you know, 
your matches with Dana Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, what do you think about him being retired? Uh, I think it's unfortunate that he's retired because he really is the best in the world. I mean, let's not, let's not play around with it. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. He's paid his dues. He's a master. He's a master at what he does. The fact that he's a master at what he does in his early 30s is a real testament to the individual. I mean, he's absolutely one of a kind. And I really don't hold any other wrestlers in a higher respect and a higher regard as an individual, as a human being, as I do him. So knowing how much this profession means to him, yeah, it's sad. It's really sad. Um, Then at the same time, how can you not respect a guy who's putting his health first um, over that pseudo-celebrity? So I think it's great that he's involved. Um, I haven't really, I guess, paid attention to any of his commentary or anything, so I don't know. Um, Unfortunately, when you work there, it's like reality TV when you work there. Um, it, it tries to pass itself off as genuine and authentic, but the whole thing is just, um, you know, reality TV is bullshit. You know what I mean? It's all written. It's all, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, where it's like, well, you know, it could be interesting, actually. It's contrived, you know what I mean? Um, and so... You know, I just can't put any stock in anything you watch on their show because it's just, it's just not genuine. You know, whether it's an opinion someone wants to say on the microphone, oh, I can't say that word, or I can't use that word, I can't say belt, or I can't, you know, like, it, so it's, you know, you're getting one french fry out of a, a whole large batch. You know, you're just not getting the whole thing, so... I, I'm just not interested. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's still collecting checks. And I'm just, I know. Um, I was very gracious for his kind words in his book. Uh, they, he, he took the time to even mention me. I thought that was very flattering. But he's 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 a master. I mean, he's one of the absolute best I've ever been in the ring with. And going back to those Ring of Honor matches, I mean, I was greener than these trees I'm looking at right now. And yet he was able to pull an hour match out of me. You know, what does that say about a guy? probably could have done it with a broomstick. Um, that's not to take anything away from me, but I'm of the mindset where when I go into a match, it's like, what can I learn? What can I learn? What can I learn? What can I learn? And it'd be impossible to be in the ring with Brian for even a minute and not learn something. So I valued those matches when they they really helped me mold into what eventually propelled me into getting a job, you know, um, just cause he's so smart. You know? He's just so smart. And so, um, he's just so well-rounded. I mean, I've just never seen anybody like him. You know? I just think he's phenomenal. Um, and, uh, yeah, those matches kind of prove it. You know, I, I don't watch any of them because I cringe watching my stuff, but, He's he's always a joy to watch. So we beat the crap out of each other. I remember I <laughs> chopped him in those Ring of Honor matches. I remember we, you know, because I, used to, you know, I'd hop in the van with Rudy Boy and we'd drive forty hours to Philadelphia for, you know, a ten fifteen minute match. And we'd hop if we didn't have the time, we'd just hop back in the van and head straight back to San Antonio. Another forty hours back. Um, but on the occasion that we would get a hotel, we'd 
chill out afterwards. I remember one of these times, uh, we, it was after, I think it was after, it wasn't our hour-long match, but maybe one of the other ones. I remember chopping him, and I guess I opened up his chest. <laughs> and like a couple of days later, he goes, yeah, I remember when you opened, you opened me up with those chops and stuff? For some reason, the, the cuts on my chest started to turn green. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck? You know what? Like, I don't have the, I don't have dirty nails or anything. Like, what?" And he's like, "I don't know." Like, we were just baffled. But I guess he's, I, I don't know. I'll never forget that. He's just, he had this look on his face. He was just like, like a surprised amusement. But we were laughing about it. I was like, "This guy could have some sort of crazy infection." And we're just laughing about it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. He, yeah, he's, he's a joy to be around. He he would stay on my couch whenever I was going to college or that. Texas State. Well, it's South, it was Southwest Texas at the time, but Texas State now in San Marcos. Whenever he would be in the area for shows, whatever, he would stay with me and uh, sleep on my couch. And he's just one of the guys, you know. He's a great dude. Not pretentious. He's not. You know, I need this and that. He's a low key dude, you know. He's that kind of guy I like hanging out with. He's definitely one of the best of all time. It's you know, kind of bittersweet seeing retired, but also you see that he's going to remain healthy for the rest of his life. So, you know, it, it's a yeah. definitely a bitter, bittersweet feeling uh, for sure with uh, Dan Bryan, aka Brian Danielson. But as I start and to people still, down, pe- you know, people still talk about our promo PWG too, I and mean, people still bring that up to me. And it's just this silly little promo that we did off the cuff. You know what I mean? And people still mm-hmm. talk about it. And we had this team, the Hybrid Dolphins, that never even actually materialized because uh, I got hurt and then he got signed. Um, but this this promo had so much praise behind it accidentally that PWG jumped the gun and started making Hybrid Dolphin T-shirts and all this stuff. And you know, so it was interesting to to think that there was a T-shirt manuf- manufactured, designed, marketed for a team that never actually wrestled one match together. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when has that ever happened? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's bizarre. But as I start to wind it down a bit here, you know, you're known as the intrepid traveler. You've wrestled everywhere. You've, I mean, we didn't even touch on all the amazing matches you had against, like, an AJ Styles or Samoa Joe or even I, I love the, the matches against Billy Kidman, even WV. I remember the match at No Mercy. But is there any matches that kind of stick out to you that you really, really, you know, just – look back at fondly, like, wow, I love that that match. It's one of my favorite matches. Uh, Stay tuned. Season three starts next week. Stay tuned. Any dream matches? Stay tuned, that's all I can say. Any dream matches we can look forward to? Phoenix, Aerostar? Uh, I I wrestled Aerostar this past weekend in Mexico City. I was at Triple Mania. It was just a huge honor. Uh, oh, yeah, people might great. might know is uh, which Underground's in a working relationship with AAA, so we we exchange talent regularly. That's where half our roster comes from is AAA, and so I was um, honored to be a part of Triple Mania in Mexico City, which is their 24th anniversary show. I mean, it's huge, you know. And uh, it was me and Matt Cross against Angelico and Jack Evans, against Drago and Aerostar, against Hijo de Fantasma. And uh, it was supposed to be Phoenix, but at the last second, he got switched out with Hector Garza Jr., who's phenomenal. She's 22 years old. I mean, that's a guy to watch out for. Um, 
Well, everyone in that match is someone to watch out for, but when I heard this kid's 22, I just thought, what? <laughs> Legs are bigger than my waist. Um, <laughs> and he's he's incredible, you know? So I had a blast. And uh, Aerostar in particular, him and Drago, are two of my favorite human beings on the planet. I mean, just as people. So, you know, to be able to work with my friends, everyone in that match, you know, was either a previous friend or became a friend. And it was just a real honor. I mean, that guy is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he has no fear, no fear whatsoever. And uh, the things he can do, I mean, he's shorter than me. And this guy's springboarding up on ropes that are taller than me. And uh, I'm just like, Jesus, what do you have in your legs, man? I'm like, what is this? (laughs) I mean, mean, they're the kindest guys you'll ever, ever, ever meet especially one of them being a dragon. I mean, who would ever thought you'd need a kind dragon? I mean, the guy is, they're, they're some of my favorite people. In existence. I love them. So I would love to have singles runs with those guys and this and that. But yeah, all I can say is stay tuned. Um, because if you think you knew how I worked before, you're in for a surprise. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to season three of Lucha Underground. But, you know, you mentioned no fear, I got to think of a guy like Pentagon Jr., you know, Sierra Mieta, no fear. Oh, what a franchise player that guy is. What a franchise player that guy is. I mean, just, and that's the thing. I mean, again, it's a testament to Lucha Underground is, you know, they they developed their roster so that really at any given time, anybody could just step right in and be a franchise player. Or they could go to any other company and be a top guy or girl. You know, it's so it's, it's 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 uh, rewarding to see the hard work that everyone's paying off or, or putting in pay off. You know, you see Pentagon, he's getting booked all over the place now. Same with Phoenix, you know. And yep. I think Aerostar and some of these other guys, they should have WG. And, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. You know, it's absolutely. It's just fabulous. Um, so... Yeah, Pentagon's awesome. I actually bought a Pentagon action figure <laughs> from the market across the street from the arena in Mexico City. They, you know, the Mexican people are so they're a magical bunch. I mean, they uh, they'll set up these markets full of lucha masks and lucha toys and lucha rings and capes. I bought a cape too, um, <laughs> and I bought a I bought a Ricky uh, Ricky Bandera. Uh, action figures while well, Ricky Macias. Um, and uh, so I, I bought those and brought them in so I could embarrass both those guys. But, oh, look who I get to play with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't do that anywhere. You can't really do that everywhere. You know, some guys are like, oh, you're stupid, Mark, blah, blah, whatever. Like, but well, it's just, man, we're all on the same boat, you know? It's fun. It's so fun. Absolutely. Best gig gig I've ever had. I'll just put it that way. Best best gig I've ever, ever, ever had. And and that's a great way to to cap that off. And, of course, September 7th, the big season three premiere, and we're so stoked to watch Paul London join the Lucha Underground family and watch it unravel right in front of our very eyes over there on the El Rey Network every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And, again, Paul, this has been so much fun, and thanks for taking a walk back down memory lane and really setting the table <laughs> for what's going to be an explosive season three of Lucha Underground. And before we let you go, 
is there anything else that the fans and the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling can expect from Paul London in the coming months and weeks? Uh, well, if, if you're on social media, you can kind of catch up with, uh, with things I might throw out there. I'm at London Foo, L-O-N-D-O-N-F-U, like Kung Fu, not like any other kind of foo. And uh, so, yeah, at London Foo, I'm only on Instagram, only on Twitter. Uh, there's a bunch of Facebooks out there, but I don't know what that is. Um, but as far as uh, this upcoming season, I mean, hell, well, don't don't believe everything you see or hear, and, you know, your eyes might just play tricks on you. <laughs> so it's an opportunity for everyone to find themselves, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.